Okay, I'm sorry to break up any chats that you're having. Do feel free to carry those chats on after uh, we finished. It's really great to hear the hub of conversation. Okay, so this morning I'm going to be continuing our series on Philippians. The good news is if you're visiting here this morning, after reading the section that I've been given, I've decided that I am reaffirming what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks. So it's good if it's your first time here this morning or if you've been with us, it will be good reaffirmation of what we've been thinking about. But to start off, I've got a little story um, so we went on holiday this year. We managed to get across the channel this year and we went to France and we went on the car ferry and when we went across on the ferry, we were, I don't know if you've ever been to the port, but there's queues of people waiting and we drove in and we were one of those people that got given one of the queues where you get right at the front and then we got ushered through, we got right at the front again, we got straight onto the ferry. We were the first car on the ferry, even though we hadn't arrived early. And um, then on the way back, we uh, were told, oh, it's going to be a really busy ferry, 31st of August, everyone's, you know, fleeing France to get back to school. And sure enough, at the port, it was really, really busy. But once we got through check-in, we just got to the front of the queue. We went past people that had been queuing for like two hours straight onto the ferry. And I said to the children, this is really good, but, you know, we've still got one more thing to cross. When we come off the ferry, we don't know what's going to happen. And sure enough, the ferry was delayed by an hour and a half, and it took a further hour and 45 minutes to get through check-in. And in fact, oh, there we go. This is us. We are literally, of all of those cars fleeing England on that day, that's our car. We are at the very back of the queue. And uh, we, that's one of our, we do have better holiday snaps than that. Um, but actually, as you can see, we had the advantage there, so we waited and zipped into the shorter queue, so we weren't quite the very last through that, um, checking us back in. And then when we got on the motorway, um, the motorway was shut, so we had to do the long route round, and we got home at about 11 o'clock at night, Ben had to go to school the next day, we pull up to our house, and the builder had put a new door in our house, and we didn't have the key for this. This was 11 o'clock. And Ben's like, I don't have my laptop or my keys or anything for school. And I just smiled and thought, this is a great story for my talk. <laughs> uh, now, I have to let you in on a secret. We did have a key for my parents' house. They were away on holiday, so we did have beds to go to, so it wasn't that bad. But this morning, I'm talking about being content in all circumstances. Whether you're at the front of the queue or the back of the queue, whether life's going really well or whether it's really hard. So I'm going to be reading from Philippians 4, 10 to 14. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know that you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learnt how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach 
or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Now, to give you a bit of background, this uh, is Philippians is a letter that is written by Paul to the church in Philippi whilst he is in prison. So things are quite tough for him. Uh, It's not very easy for him. So is this what he's saying? Is that just for Paul or is that for us now? Because he's saying that he's content, but is the expectation that we should be as well? There's a lot of verses that we band about quite a lot. There's a lot of parts of this that we band about quite a lot. This part that says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. What does that mean? Does it actually mean everything? When we uh, were planning for God's house with Chicks and Kath, we would sit together and we would have this verse that we were trying to, or truth, that we were trying to teach the children. And we would spend ages working out how to not just simplify it and kind of brush over things, but how to give the children a truth that they would understand, but also wasn't just, oh, it'll all be fine and just smile because Jesus loves you, you'll be happy all the time. Because as we've heard this morning, what if things aren't going well? What if things are really hard? What if you have lost your job or someone in your family is soon to die? Or what if you are struggling with infertility? What then? Are we to be content? What does it mean? Now, I think with this, as with all Bible verses, passages, it's really important to not just look at one little verse but to take a step back and have a look at everything that's going on to understand a bit of what Paul's trying to say in this. So uh, we're going to take a step back and have a little look at a passage which kind of summarises Philippians. Now, Phil encouraged us a couple of weeks ago to read Philippians every single day. And I don't know if you did that, but if you didn't, I would encourage you to do it this week. Because when you read something all together, it gives you an idea, a bit of a gist of what he's trying to get at. Now, I actually prefer to listen to it on audio Bible, on my phone. It's good, I can listen to different versions. So if you find reading harder, then don't feel ashamed to listen to it on audio. It's about getting the idea of what he's saying. And this passage sums it up so well, which Theo spoke on last week, which is Philippians 2, 6 to 11. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to be grasped. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honour and gave him the name above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now this is kind of the um, pinnacle passage really of Philippians, and everything else in Philippians hangs off this, this, this idea of what Jesus did. And that we too, in response to that, should live a life worthy of the gospel. So when we're thinking about contentment, let's hold that there. We need to live a life worthy of the gospel. And we go back to that question, which Phil asked us a couple of weeks ago. Is our deepest desire to honour Christ? And so we're going to have a 
little bit more of a look at contentment, but let's hold that there, is our deepest desire to honour Christ. Now, there's a couple of examples that uh, Paul gives. Well, there's lots of examples that he gives in Philippians, but there's two that we're going to focus on this morning. And the first one is from Philippians 1, 20 to 24. And he's talking, he's in prison at this point, so he's comparing what his life would be like if he was released or if he was executed. Verse 20, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust with all my life, all my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So really, I don't know which is better. I'm torn between these two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. I always think this passage is a bit of like one of those mind puzzles where you're like trying to work out what he's exactly saying. But what he's trying to say is that either he could be executed and then he would die and he would get to be with Jesus and that's what he would really want. His desire is to be close to Jesus, uh, to spend eternity with him, or he could be released. And if he's released, then he will be able to spread the good news of the gospel and he will be fruitful in that. He knows that he will be fruitful in that place. So whether he dies is a good thing, or if he lives it's a good thing because for Paul his ultimate point of contentment is to be with Jesus that's what he really wants it is not um, having if we relate it to our life now having the best job or having lots of money or um, having children or being powerful it's none of those things his his pinnacle of contentment is to be with God and for him actually the sacrifice the sacrificial point there is oh well if I live it's not quite so good for me but it's good for everybody else because I get to serve them and so his this really shifts our perspective on what is contentment is it getting everything I want or is it getting what God wants or what's going to serve other people And I think really kind of the whole point of Philippians is shifting our gaze from what we want to what God wants and serving him. Theo highlighted last week the example of the queen and how she she wrote um, on her 21st birthday that she basically is committed to devoting her life to us as a country. And... 70 what five years later we have seen that to be the case that she did serve our country so faithfully and she would sign at the end of her uh, letters your servant Elizabeth she led out of a place of serving and that's really an amazing example isn't it for us to live our lives out of service and so what's this got to do with contentment well that actually, we are not the centre 
of our worlds. But as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we need to lay down the things that we want and desire and to follow what God wants and what he's asking us to do. That doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy. It doesn't mean that all, you'll have no troubles because if you read many of Paul's writings, you'll see that he goes through hardships, that he's in pain, that it's difficult, that it's not easy. I'm not saying, smile, everything's going to be okay, because we know that not to be the case. Okay, the second example that I want to just look at is, I really am doing a whistle-stop door of uh, Philippians this morning. You get a bit from every chapter today. Um, this is Philippians 3, 12 to 20. Yeah, I, I do, don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold to the progress that we've already made. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example for I have told you often before and I say it again with tears in my eyes that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ they are headed for destruction their God is their appetite they brag about shameful things and they think only about life here on earth but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our saviour. Now it's quite a strong uh, encouragement here, a, a strong contrast between those who um, are aiming for, to fulfil their own needs, their, their stomach, their God is their stomach and what he's encouraging them to be. And what I like about how he frames this is to be quite honest, how I often feel when I come to do this or to say something that I am absolutely in no way perfect. And, but he, and that's what Paul says. And then he says um, that I, I'm, I'm trying to possess, I'm trying to grab hold. That's a like really strong word. It's like rugby tackle, tackle to the ground. Like I'm really trying to grab hold of what, what Christ has done for me. I want to do that too. He, what he's trying to say is, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying really hard. Um, but he's trying to encourage them to reach hold of what God is calling them to. Now, just have a look at verse... Uh, Verse 12. Sorry, I wrote it down on my notes and I seem to have deleted it. No, verse 13. Um, in the NALT, it says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. But if you have a different uh, translation, you actually, that actually reads quite differently. So 
From the RSV it says, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on towards the goal or I press on to reach the end of the race. Slightly two different, slightly two, uh, two slightly different things there. Is it talking about we try really hard in this life and then when you die you're going to get a prize and you'll get to be with Jesus forever and that's your prize? Or is it talking about what's happening now that we press hold of it now? Different things say different things. But I think it seems to me that when we press on towards the goal, the prize, the heavenly call of Christ Jesus, that's not talking about when you die. That's talking about now. The prize is being part of God's kingdom now. That is our prize. That is something that's amazing to be part of that, to be part of bringing God's kingdom to earth, to partner with him, to see transformation in your workplace or on your street. That is your prize. And what he's trying to say is that's what you've got to reach for. Don't reach for all of these other things that aren't going to satisfy you. Even if you have a perfect life, which you wouldn't, even if you have the best job and the best car and the best family, which I don't think all of those things do exist, you're still not going to be content because the thing you're meant to be reaching for is God's kingdom and bringing that to earth. And secondly, he says in verse 17, pattern your lives around mine. But he's not just being egotistic. He's also saying, and also us that follow our example, It says in the Bible about pattern groups. Paul said about pattern groups. I joke. If you're a visitor here, uh, some of us are in pattern groups, which are small groups of three to four people-ish, where we encourage one another, where we're accountable with one another. The point that he's trying to make, I think, is that being alongside other people, whether that's in an accountable friendship or mentoring, or in a pattern group, is really important to spur you on to the upward call. We cannot do it on our own. It is not true that you can do a relationship with God on your own. I know that it's when I go to my small community and I say, I don't know what to do about this. They gather around me, they pray, they encourage, they prophesy. I cannot do it without the people that are in a close community with me. Those relationships are really important. And thirdly, the thing to pick out here is almost seems very harsh words, but that some are headed for destruction, where their God is their appetite and they brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. And I think for me, this is the thing that's really challenged me in reading Philippians and probably before then as well over the summer, that if I'm honest, I, well, when I went to New Wine, I went thinking, being quite confused and busy and lots of things going on. And I just really felt God say to me in all of this uncertainty and not sure what to do in some areas of my life. I felt like God just say, you need to just surrender. You need to re-surrender to me. And it sounds so simple, but it's really not to give up the things that you are necessarily going after, the things that you want to make you content. 
and to go after God again. And I say, I don't mean that I've already achieved these things or that I have reached perfection, because I definitely haven't. But this is the challenge. If we want to be content, it's not about the focus being on us, it's the focus being on God and serving him. It means that in some areas where perhaps we think that we need to have exactly what we want, maybe we don't. We live in a culture, don't we, which is very self-led, that it, I can do what I feel like I want to do. Um, even, you know, even down to little ones, we have baby-led weaning, it's all child-led, we are adult-led, personally-led, but what if God is saying, I want you to be me-led, I want you to honour me in all that you do, and your deepest desire to be to follow me. So, to be content in all circumstances, I don't have the answer, I can't say how you cope when you've got somebody that's really ill in your family or you have no money or this winter you can't put on the heating or I I don't have the answer to solving all of those issues or tell you that you'll be able to laugh in the face of them all but we need to realize that our ultimate contentment is not in having all of those things but it is in Jesus so as we finish how do we respond to this I, I think, as we've looked at Philippians, actually, a lot of the themes coming through, as I said earlier, have been really similar. So I'm going to repeat again that question that Phil asked us in the first, on the first week. In terms of our post personal devotion and dependence on Christ, is your deepest desire to honour Christ? And in terms of your discipleship, Not only who is discipling you, but who are you discipling? If everybody here thought about somebody that they could encourage in the faith and disciple, then probably we wouldn't focus so much on who's going to disciple me, but who is around me that I can help and spur on. And just on a practical note on that one, if you do want to join a group or want to know what a pattern group is, then do come and have a chat to me. And then finally, in terms of our mission as a church, when we respond to the Bible, often in church we can think it's just about me and what I personally need to respond to, but we are a church family, and Paul was writing to a church community, and we can respond together as well. There's a, there's a together response so what, what are your current circumstances? Not what could they be, what might they be in the future, but what are they now? Because you can serve God in, those, in that place. And how can other people be alongside you in encouraging you in that, that place? Is it to do something together, on mission together? What is your current circumstance? Okay, so... There's just some questions that I want us to be having a think about. I will put those on Facebook as well later so we can be chatting about those in our week and in our groups as well. So as we, as we finish now, I'd love to pray for us. We're going to have some time of worship as well. But as Rachel said about in response to this morning, and she said, 
if there's people that particularly feel like they can't sing the words, um, that God is so good, or they find that really hard in their current circumstance, God is with you, and we would love to pray for you. And so we will have um, some ministry team as well here to pray for you. Or maybe it's a case of you just needing to surrender to God personally in your heart again and laying down your wants before him. So let's stand up and I'm going to pray for us together. (coughs) Father, we echo Paul's words in saying that we have not already achieved where you're calling us to but we want to be a people a body that grab hold and possess the call that you have on us as your people to see your kingdom come here on earth to see people come to know you in our own personal um, hearts We want to recommit to you and say we want to be devoted to you. We want to surrender the things that we are clinging on to that we think are going to be the answer. But actually, you are and what you're asking is. Lord, I pray for those people that find it really hard to to sing the words God is good or to, to, to proclaim that. I pray for everyone's current circumstances that we would be able to lift our eyes to you in it all and trust in you and your faithfulness i pray for us as a people that we would be empowered to spur one another on and be a community of believers that do this call together thank you lord amen